I'm Shannon. I'm Mark. And this is Dirt Sailor, the podcast. You can find us on Podbean, Apple, and Spotify. We also have Facebook and Instagram pages under Dirt Sailor Podcast. Happy Throat Punch Thursday. Well, happy Throat Punch Thursday. How are you doing on this fine day? Doing pretty good. Is that so? That is a fact. That's wonderful to hear. All depends on who you're hearing it from. Another busy news cycle. And we're here to give you some important commentary. Nice. I'm ready to go. Let's do it. Let's go. So on a subject we've talked about before, it just so happens to have been brought up in California because of our historic drought. California has approved $140 million for a desalinization plant. For one? A desalinization plant. Singular. That will fix the problem. Yes. But $140 million is not going to cover it unless they plan on just making tablespoons a day of fresh water. Right. So according to the reports, California regulators have unanimously approved the $140 million desalinization plant. And they are offering a guideline for how the state can convert ocean water to drinking water amid the worst drought in 1,200 years. We've been tracking weather for 1,200 years here? I didn't think we had been tracking for 1,200 years, but according to this article, which was released by Reuters, we are in California's worst drought in 1,200 years. So that means 1,201 years ago it wasn't so bad or it was even worse no it would be even worse right 1201 years ago it was even worse it was even worse that's weird i don't believe it but you know they're not very good truth tellers they aren't um but to go with your your tablespoons of water according to the productivity of said desalinization plant the expectation is to produce five million gallons of drinking water per day which is enough for 40,000 people so if one plant is good for 40,000 people a day how many desalinization plants would we need for that to be our sole form of consumption more than one well, 10 would lead us to 400,000. 100 would be for 4 million. So if we wanted to cover 40 million, we need 1,000. Now, provided we get our water in other ways and through other sources, it's just kind of interesting. It seems like $140 million is that, you know, the cost benefit analysis, is that worth it? If that's what they can produce? Nope. But it is the first desalinization plant that the uh, Coastal Commission has approved since more strict regulations were adopted in 2019. No, I was just trying to look up how much the desal plant in Carlsbad, California cost. And it looks like it was a little more quite a few years ago than this one's going to be now. So. We're getting it at a discount. So they've improved their ability. Not only are we getting a more environmentally friendly 
desalinization plant, but they've improved the overall cost of the build. That's good. Well, there's a lot of uh, technical lingo in this article. So you'd have to sit here with an attorney for about two hours, read it to understand it. What, to understand the first ten words? Yes, the first sentence. That's what I feel that's what I feel like happens when attorneys get involved is it becomes uh very difficult to understand cuz they all have their opinions on it on what, you know, the word the means or California or true definition of desalinization. Well, I just found a June 15th of 2012 article Carlsbad desal plant pipe will cost near $1 billion. A proposed desal plant in Carlsbad and a related pipeline will cost nearly $1 billion, according to new estimates released by San Diego County Water Authority. So the $140 million is probably just to break ground. I mean, that's how we did it with the train to nowhere, so I'm sure it's just to like move some dirt with a fancy gold shovel. Well, yeah, see, that's to draw up the plans figure out which contractors are going to use, have them start doing their bidding, start looking at pulling permit fees or permits based on exorbitant fees on the coast. So that probably just covers the initial startup of starting up, of thinking up, of potentially potentially building a desal plant. That sounds about right. Starting to think about maybe kind of doing it, possibly. Correct. And if that sounds confusing, that's why. Because this thing's going to be confusing. So, in other things that are, are fun and confusing and using legal jargon and getting into contracts, uh, writing up things that will never happen. So, in that realm, I don't know if you've heard about the electric truck company, Nikola. I have. So the founder of the electric truck company, Nikola, was convicted of fraud. And he had apparently made up, so he used fancy diagrams in order to secure grants. And he was just able to be a sly fox and talk about a non-existent product. But he was able to con the government out of millions of dollars in grant money so he could have investments into his truck electric truck company so he lied to investors too not just the government but other investors um when he you know fraudulently made claims about what his electric vehicles could do and his conviction carries a possible maximum prison sentence of 20 years but he is currently allowed free on a $100 million bond until he is sentenced in January. So you have people that commit robberies, manslaughter, heinous crimes like that, and they get out on no cash bail. And this guy's a blue-collar criminal, and it's $100 million. $100 million for his blue-collar crimes. Wow. Is that about how much it costs that young lady up in the Bay Area that supposedly invented the machine that we talked about a couple of weeks ago? Oh, I don't know what her bail was. That's a really good question. 
Elizabeth Holmes, and she was the founder and CEO, or at least the CEO. Was she also the founder of Theranos? Yes, and she dropped out of Stanford University when she was 19 years old with a dream of revolutionizing blood testing. Oh, she was... Because she wasn't the only one convicted of fraud. There were others who were with her... her um, her lead one, scientist, I believe. One as well. of the executives, Sonny Balwani, was also convicted of fraud. They also faced 20 years in prison for the fraud. I don't see how much their bail was. 500000 is what her bail ended up uh, being. So she had a $500,000 bail off of a company that at one point was valued at like $9 billion dollars. And he has a hundred million dollar bail. I wonder if they expect more of him as far as jumping bail. Possibly. Is he an American citizen? He might be. Maybe that's the concern that he'll split the country, American citizen or not. It's kind of interesting that we'll go after these people, but the folks that write the laws and then skirt the laws as it relates to stock transactions. They get to go on all day long and spend no time behind bars. and Free pass. They don't even have to go to court. Do you know that gas in California has always been $7 a gallon? It has always been $7 Absolutely, a gallon? Absolutely, according to Joe Biden. Oh, because things are just as as they always were? Yes, things are as they always were. Yeah, he also told a, a young girl, um, put, it, I believe, his hands on her shoulders and then told her not to seriously date until she was at least 30. Weirding people out by his comments. Wow. And then he goes on to say that life's good, things are good. The White House is even supporting that things are great under Joe Biden and they're just amazing, and he's doing a wonderful job, and he's met all of his goals for the country. Well, I guess these folks, well, I guess they've met their goals. They've managed to take 25%-ish from 401ks across the nation. Yep, redistribution of wealth. Uh, yes. You don't get it, and they do. That's exactly what's happening. So in other news of... Um, Things that shouldn't happen the way they do in government overreach. There was a jury pool in the state of North Carolina. So they the jurors get their, their summons to come in. This juror gets his summons. North Carolina and the county that he this particular person is in, they do not have a mass mandate. But apparently at the courthouse, the judges can decide to make their courtrooms uh, mass required. And so when he went in for his jury service, he refused to wear a mask in that particular judge's courtroom because he could have been called into any other judge's courtroom and he would not have been required to wear a mask. But the judge made it a mandate, even though it doesn't appear lawful, but the judge made it a mandate that all jurors wear masks. And so he was brought up in front of the judge. And the judge asked, so are you saying you won't wear a mask in my courtroom? And that is what the juror affirmed. So the judge sent him to jail for contempt of court for not wearing a mask. And one thing that's interesting, not, not just that happening, but the judge 
was not wearing a mask at the time that he sentenced the juror to contempt of court for not wearing a mask in his courtroom. So he's been anointed. Dictator of. Judge, jury, and executioner. Absolutely. Basically. So I thought judges were to make sure that laws are. Abided by, not that they make up their own. Correct. Because that wasn't a law. It was a rule that the judge decided to make up for his courtroom and attempt to enforce. It's not a law. So he was making things up. Well, that's interesting because if he's sitting up at his bench, wouldn't he be more than six feet away from the jurors? You would think so, which I guess is why he didn't have to wear a mask while everybody else in his courtroom, he was requiring to wear masks. And apparently this juror or potential juror was a single father. He asked the judge to please let him call his child to explain. And the judge said, nope, and shipped him off to jail. Sounds like this judge is uh, not a very nice person. And the, if that is the type of person that this judge is, just making up rules and attempting to throw people in jail for whatever made-up rules that the judge decides on a given day, that judge should be gone. Absolutely, and there should be oversight. So somebody should go back in and look at every case he's ever adjudicated. And every time he sentenced somebody to contempt of court for a so-called courtroom infraction, and a non-existent made-up rule, um, the judge should have to do hour for hour In, time behind bars. Absolutely. That's where I was going with that. Eye for an eye. Eye for an eye. What was Epstein's partner's name? Ghislaine Maxwell. Ghislaine. If you look at her name, it doesn't look like Ghislaine. It does not. I actually had to listen. Well, I didn't have to listen, but I heard one of the victims when she was giving her her statement on what had happened to her, and I was listening to her. That is actually the first time that I had heard the name pronounced. And so I've gone with that. If there's a different way to say it, I mean, that could be possible. Well, the way I see it, it's G his lane he. Laney. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, we don't care if we get your name right or not yeah. because you're a terrible human yes. being. Ms. or Miss Maxwell feels so bad for Prince Andrew because she has finally decided to do an interview after her sentencing of 20 years in prison. She feels so bad for her dear friend, Prince Andrew. A little bit late, don't you think? Do you know who didn't feel so bad for Prince Andrew? The queen? The the queen of England. She did not feel for her son because she stripped him of all of his titles and patronages, and he was no longer allowed to be a working royal member of the household. He was just, you're my son over there in name only. Well, it's interesting that she makes a comment during this interview that she accepts that his friendship could not survive her conviction. He is paying such a price for the association. I consider him a dear friend. I care about him. Do they not recall what he did? And he paid Virginia Guffrey... That was the one of his victims. He paid her in a civil case. And I understand that sometimes people will make payments just to get the cases to go away and they don't admit to any wrongdoing. But they had a lot of evidence against him. And he settled 
the case against his accuser, which makes somebody look pretty gosh darn guilty. Well, I wonder who else is in her little black book. I wish she would out every single one of them. That's being protected more than he was protected. Mm -hmm. He was the son of the Queen of England. Yes. And so apparently the the Queen also, because it's really not his money, but the Queen also paid off this settlement and stripped him of all of his, you know, rights and patronages and all of that. And it, the queen took it more seriously than it seems like Miss Maxwell. Oh, it's just his association with me. No, it's his guilt. Why were you carting a young lady to England? I believe she was 17 in the photo or younger in the photo of their meeting at his, it was at either Maxwell's place or one of uh, Prince Andrew's places, but it was over there in England. She was under the age of 18. So that was definitely a, a sex trafficking because they carted an under 18 girl in an airplane. She didn't just magically appear and pop over to their house and say hello. Across the pond. Yes. Well, you know, meeting Epstein was the greatest mistake of her life. And obviously, if she could go back today, I would avoid meeting him. So meeting him was the greatest mistake of her life, not victimizing girls. That wasn't the greatest mistake. Just meeting somebody. She's saying that just meeting him was the greatest mistake of her life. And after he killed himself at 66 years old in his jail cell in 2019 while awaiting trial on a sex trafficking indictment, Maxwell's attorneys attorneys have argued that she became a scapegoat for his crimes after his suicide. Okay, I will say that she became a target. I wouldn't necessarily, just personal opinion, say that she was a scapegoat because she has been specifically listed as a participant in the sex trafficking. She procured, she helped to procure the girls And she also participated in the grooming and the exploitation of the girls. So, no, she doesn't just become a scapegoat. She becomes somebody else who is also being prosecuted for their wrongdoing. Which means she could have asked for help and got out of it at any time. And she never did. she chose not to. Correct. So, was it a sad, sad thing when Brian Laundrie killed gabby petito yes it was very sad it was very sad and a crime that should not have happened of course you can say that about any murder it's a crime that should not have happened but the police did not do what they were supposed to do now it's still possible that after the the time period that they would have been pulled apart legally and they could have held him and not let the the two go back together Um, because it was a domestic violence issue, that they still could have gotten together and then he still could have killed her. Right, and where I'm going to go with this is they're both gone, correct? Yes, he committed suicide um, when the police were basically on to him that he was the killer. So to the rest of America, what relevance do surveillance videos that have emerged of the two of them shortly before the murder have to do with anything? No, nothing really relevant except... A slow news cycle, it seems like. And do you think that it hurts her parents 
to have to see this stuff every day in the news. Yes. yes, absolutely. And they may not watch news, so it may they well, may they, they may not even know that it's there. They probably have to stop. I mean, there's a certain point where you wouldn't be able to see it every day, and whatever somebody's going to sensationalize at that minute. Well, and it it appears to me that these news outlets are just looking for numbers to drive their ratings up or a slow news cycle because there's no relevance to this in anything. No. No. I, well, let's talk about relevance and things that are, are and aren't relevant. A Michigan judge is worried that one of the jurors is flirting too much with a defendant in the, the Gretchen Whitmer kidnap trial. Because there's another trial if you didn't hear about it. So there were... The original two that were put on trial that were acquitted, two more who were put on trial, and I believe it was a hung jury. They retried and they got a conviction for those two. And now they are going after, I believe it's another three people for material support of an act of terrorism after they got the conviction of the the two um, following their hung jury trial. So things that do and don't matter. Does whether or not a juror appears to be flirting with a defendant matter? It does not matter to me, but they do have alternate jurors, right? Right. It, it sounds like a situation. Handle it or don't. Yeah. Take him off, him or her off the jury or don't. It shouldn't be a news. Like, I just found it really interesting that it was a major news article well, you pinned it just like the last little discussion was probably a slow news cycle, so they had to throw something out there to generate some interest. But something that is important in the same realm, which is the whether or not these individuals materially supported those in the Gretchen Whitmer kidnapping scandal i don't i'm not sure what to call it because technically they're convicted so two of them so the individuals that provided material support they're using once again fbi informants to lay claim to the guilt of the parties and it's already been shown that some of the fbi informants encouraged and attempted to get others to partake in things that they did not wish to partake in so the, an informant's supposed to be like, hey, this is what's going on, and I just want you to know, versus, oh, nobody wants to do this. Okay, I'm putting together a kidnapping. Who wants to help me? I, I Anyway, I, that's the whole other side thing, and we, we've talked about that previously on the show. But what is happening now is one of the informants claimed to be a military veteran who had a Purple Heart. And so now the defense is claiming stolen valor on the part of uh, this informant saying that they don't actually have a Purple Heart and they weren't there for the reasons that they claimed, which was to find buddies to go shooting with and to keep up their marksmanship is is who they were trying to meet and be buddy-buddy with. But the defense is claiming that this person isn't who they say they are, doesn't have the background that they claim they do, and that the FBI used this individual in an, in an attempt to create a situation that did not exist. So that is something that I believe should make the news, not whether or not somebody looks too flirty 
at a defendant. Absolutely. And here we go with our FBI again. Interesting because I heard a former Speaker of the House make a comment here recently that they need to divide DOJ, FBI, CIA, well, it wouldn't be CIA, but FBI into multiple entities so they can start breaking up this band of brothers and this corruption because it seems like they are overzealous and they're continuing to develop into some weird organization that looks a little un-American. They're going after only one group harder than another. And then they play dumb. They ask people to delete or remove evidence. Um, So what are we to believe with the Whitmer case, with January 6th, with Russia collusion, with this uh, informant that's uh, going through his trial right now. It's before the jury. You, You can't rely on any of this because you have FBI agents mostly the upper crust, I guess you'd call them, um, doing some things that are are not, in my opinion, legal, but they make them legal. Somehow it all turns out to be legal or just fine, or they don't go after these FBI agents. So for our listeners who are unfamiliar, there is a trial right now that one of Durham is prosecuting specific people involved in the Trump-Russia collusion. And the prosecution of Igor Dechenko is currently happening. And during closing arguments, Durham actually addressed the elephant in the room, which is that the FBI has failed on so many occasions or um, they have partaken in the wrongdoing or have the appearance of partaking in the wrongdoing. And Dechenko was the source in the dossier that was providing, he, he was thought to be working for both sides, getting money from both as a double sides agent. as a double agent. So Dechenko is being prosecuted right now. And the elephant in the room is that the FBI has failed on multiple occasions. So there is this with Dechenko, plus with the Steele dossier, or Steele, Christopher Steele. Um, there is the request by the FBI on more than one occasion to subvert truth i guess if that's if that's how you want to to go with it but they have either asked some people to lie they've asked people to withhold they've asked people to delete um evidence in the gretchen whitmer case their main informant was actually the ringleader and the creator of the kidnapping plot itself so it's just the fbi isn't exactly being seen as doing right. And then if you want to pivot to the Hunter Biden scandal, they have actually um, listed two FBI agents who contacted Facebook in order to drop the news to Facebook that a Hunter Biden's news story was going to come out and that it was false information. And that particular news story should be blocked as misinformation, disinformation. Well, two of those FBI agents who worked on the Facebook suppression issue have donated to Democrats. Interesting, isn't it? Is it not interesting that the population in Delaware is roughly about 990,000? 
And what the relevance to that is in my mind is how can a senator from such a small state have garnered so much power and so much money that he and his, I don't want to call him henchmen, his helpers, have the ability to protect his son who have potentially opened up a can of worms here in America, if that's the right phrase, Um, and it's potentially not just tax evasion and all the other items and things that he's done. Do you remember the CBP whipping video that made its rounds? Is that the Border Patrolman whipping migrants migrants at the border when they were on their horses? Yes. Yes. So that video made its rounds. Apparently, Alejandro Mayorkas, the DHS secretary, was informed that the whipping video was not real. But he still came out. This was hours before he made his statement. He still came out and condemned the Border Patrol agents in the news media, even though he was actually given the information that it was not real. And the photograph that was taken did not actually show that migrants are being whipped by reins of a mounted Border Patrol person. Well, that sort of thing's right out of the democratic playbook even if it's an untruth if you throw it out there by time you have to apologize the damage has already been done because you have a large sect of the population that actually believes it took place if it did take place or would have taken place then by all means punish him but now who's the person that should be punished he should for lying providing knowingly providing misinformation because his statement was based on falsehoods and that's how riots, like all the riots we saw around America, that's how things like that get out of hand. And then it causes way more problems than just to come out and say, well, this really was not a true news story, a news cycle. It did not happen. But as we talked about before, as soon as they say something happened and they fact check it by essentially giving a statement that leads one to believe that it really did happen because they condemned it. Why would they condemn something that didn't really happen? They have already swung the pendulum on what truth is. Yes, and fact-checking. I just saw something from one of my favorite doctors recently, and that was his 20-minute news clip, was who fact-checks the fact-checkers. Because now he has now been put on notice, a doctor that has taught classes to nurses and students for 40 years, has multiple manuals out there that people around the world use. He showed some information and had a meeting with somebody of another YouTube channel, and YouTube gave him his second strike saying that it was misinformation. So to answer your question, who who fact-checks the fact-checkers? It's no one, and it doesn't matter. Because as soon as they put that label on, that it is misinformation or untruthful, to me, everything after that doesn't matter. They've already done the damage. Who fact-checks them? It doesn't matter. Damage has been done. I guess that's why the new parallel social media outlet that's equivalent to YouTube. Is it called Parler? Parler? Parler is starting to take off and become so big 
because I guess I've never gone to it yet, but I guess you can actually tell what you believe or feel is the truth. And as long as you're a good citizen and you don't belittle disrespect and try to incite violence or riots or fights or any of that stuff, you can actually speak your mind. Yeah, so there's a few different platforms that are trying to be that independent sort of platform. Another is Rumble. People have moved on to trying to to use Rumble. So there's Parler, there's Rumble. True Social is out there, which is former President Trump's social media. Um, I'm not a fan favorite of that one, but I think it's uh, integration into different areas is difficult, not just with True Social, but some of these other social medias. So what happened is people said like, oh, if you don't want to be blocked on Twitter or if you don't want to be blocked on YouTube, create your own social media. And Parler started to take off. They, people started jumping to Parler. Okay, fine. We'll go to the conservative. You can. It was touted as conservative, but really it was just people who were getting blocked on other platforms jumped to it because they didn't like the idea of being silenced over something that you could never fight. Because like you just said, a person who is a subject matter expert can still be blocked for misinformation. So people started jumping to Parler and it was taking off and becoming the number one app in app stores. And the those on the left, those who wish to silence most people, decided they didn't like that. And they bullied Amazon because it was housed on Amazon Cloud Web Services. Uh, bullied Amazon into shutting it down. And so they shut down their servers. And then they had a hard time finding a company that would actually host them on and their has, servers. And it has a large enough server capacity. Yes. Yeah, so it's been hard for a lot of these companies because others will not house their business on their servers. So if you are right-leaning or if you are independently thinking or not wanting to be subject to the disinformation board, um, you have to have a company that's willing to house you. And that has been a hard fight. Right. It's because the others have gained too much control, made too much money and too much power in such a short amount of time. But it's interesting that this individual, this doctor, qualifies before every episode. He didn't write the paper. Most of the papers are peer-reviewed. And how a bot, a robot, or a human that has a degree in something other than doesn't even have to be a degree. They can just have a journalist check mark. Right. How they can overrule a peer-reviewed by medical personnel, a paper like that. This thing's kind of out of whack. Unfortunate. So, California, we have a rep. His name's Eric Swalwell. Yeah, I don't want to claim him, but apparently well, I he's don't claim a- him, but he's a California congressman. Actually, I believe was having an affair with a Chinese spy. Yes, it. Uh, he was honey trapped. Uh, okay. And he's still on a lot of select committees. I think even on the intel or security yes, committee. Yes, he's still like on that. the intel committee, and he has come out and said that women are going to be arrested for wanting an abortion. 
if Trump is reelected, if he runs for president. So they can say whatever they want, which is what we've seen with many of these representatives. They literally can say whatever they want, and they there's no recourse for it. They can lie. They can cheat. They can steal. They can just come out and say, oh, you're going to be arrested if Trump's elected. Oh, okay. So if anyone else is elected, you're totally cool. Just if Trump. I mean, the the mystical beast in the room is Trump. It's MAGA America. If they do not win the midterms, then MAGA, the the country is going to go all MAGA and we're they're going to run around and arrest people. Weren't uh, we supposed to be war free under Biden? Yes. He was a great uniter. Yes. Yeah, so we were just all going to be kumbaya. Trump was going to start World War Three. We got that threat every other month. And look at where we're now. We are funding Ukraine to the tunes of what billions of dollars. We are funding a war. We are funding the Ukrainian Russian war. But somehow, Biden's the great uniter, and Trump was going to be the cause of war. Yes, and he's the one that's actually calling for a peaceful settlement between these two. And now not only do we have the worst economy in American history right now, and you can go right down the numbers. Not according to Biden. I know, but he looks in his mirror, and he's the greatest thing since uh, sliced bread. But now Saudi Arabia, the prince there, is very angry because of the comments Biden made about there'll be consequences if they don't provide us with oil. Um, I think that this guy, uh, I don't think he's running this country. I really don't. I don't think he has the mental acuity right now to run uh, a Walmart. He can't run his household. He can't run. (laughs) You think he picks out his clothes or dresses himself? I mean, we see him again. He's in Portland, Oregon. Uh, in the past week, eating ice cream. That's that's his thing, right? They cart him all over the country. He spends a third of his time in Delaware, so he could probably remember who he is. The rest of the time, they they do these public walks of him eating ice cream and talking to people because that's the only thing he can do. And then he says something that puts his foot in his mouth. They run interference and wash, rinse, repeat. Yes, they used the little Energizer bunny to herd him around during the little Easter. Easter bunny. So I don't normally believe in coincidences. I don't believe in them at all. You want to hear a one of a kind coincidence that happened in Denver, Colorado? Absolutely. Please tell me. Please do tell everybody. So a woman was in labor. She was due to give birth to twins. But her labor actually started early. So she ended up having to go to the hospital in the middle of the night because her twins decided to make an early entrance. And so she was in the delivery room and she already had the names picked out for her two baby girls. And they brought in a couple of extra nurses to take care of the baby, well, babies, because there was two, while they took care of mom. And so while she was being prepared, they asked her if she had the names picked out. And she said yes. And then she went and told them what the babies would be named. She said that we've loved the name names Emma and Julia. And then the room just broke out in laughter. It turns out. That the two nurses that they brought in the room were named Emma 
and, and Julia. Julia. Wow. Yes. Coincidence or not. Right? That's a pretty interesting coincidence. You know what it, you know what isn't a coincidence? What is not a coincidence? It's the fact that the US government says all Americans will pay much more for natural gas this winter. Since because a, yeah. we're not paying more for things and the economy's great? Yes. The Energy Information Administration, or the EIA, has released its data this week. Um, projected ener- energy costs saying that Americans can expect to pay a whopping 28% more this winter. Guess we shouldn't be surprised at that. I mean, everything's been going up. We're paying since Biden was inaugurated. We've been paying more uh gas more in gas bills to the like car gasoline not just natural gas but our oil bills have gone up our natural gas bills have gone up our food has gone up pretty much everything across the board i don't think there's anything and i could be mistaken that is now cheaper on average than before he was inaugurated nope and and that's because he's taken a number of steps since he's taken office to disincentivize Fossil fuel production. Right. I guess. So I just recently heard that there was a a follow-up. But so I recently heard the follow-up, which is in April, the government's office that's responsible for seeing if the impact environmentally of pumping oil out of the ground. Um, the, the government office who runs the mathematical computations to, to decide how much of the environment may be harmed if oil is pumped on some of these um, leases that have been in place already. And so their, their math has been off since April of this year. And then they were, in, actually it was off from before that, but they were informed in April that their math computations are off. So when they're telling leaseholders that they can't pump oil the leaseholders came back and said hey your denial is incorrect because the math is off and here's you know where your error is so they admitted to their error in april but they have not fixed the computations that they have made and so they are still wrongfully denying these leases and the ability to actually pump and they have been since april because the government does everything very, very slow. Takes them time. Yep. So we're over six months into their error and they're still not fixing it. They will after the midterms. It'll all get fixed. You'd think they'd fix that before the midterms. Or I guess I guess technically a lot of the Democrats don't want new new uh, leases or pumping or anything like that. No, I think they they don't want Biden or Kamala Harris to run for re-election, and they don't want a lot of these folks that are in Congress to remain in Congress. So quietly, they're helping a change of the tide here. Which is funny that you bring that up, because there's been a lot of talk that Democrats are funding Republicans for re-election through their dark money, but they're funding Republicans. Yes, they are. So that's an interesting take. And then two years later, they can go back and try to retake the losses. So are we still in a state of COVID emergency here in California? Always. We can never give up power. We are always in a state of emergency. Our awesome governor, who may potentially run for president here in the near future, has announced that the COVID state of emergency will end February 2023. But how do you know? 
How do you know? Well, that gives them time to prepare for any potential surge in COVID cases after the holidays. Is it not winter in Europe right now? So we are going into fall, so they are coming out of winter. They're getting into their spring. Yes, so if their numbers are high. Then we would have the ability to kind of look at what would happen here. Because we have not stopped flights again, correct? And not in Europe, but in Australia. Yeah, so we're letting Southern Hemisphere. Southern Hemisphere. Yep. Another um, thing that has been going on that I found really interesting kind of switching over to military, so this isn't sickness-related, but this goes to stolen valor. Um, while Joe Biden was in Colorado giving his one of his stump speeches, so he's going around doing his thing, while he was in Colorado, he actually said that his son died, Bo Biden, died in Iraq. So he died during the war as a war hero type of thing. I'm not saying he, he didn't serve. He clearly served and he was in the military, but he is giving his son basically valor that is non-existent. I don't know if you heard about that. I had not, but it does not surprise me. Yeah. He said that his son, Bo lost his life in Iraq. And I know we're not going to go after him for any any stolen valor, but it just it strikes me as interesting that he can never just state facts. He has to put such a spin on it that it becomes a lie. It becomes a lie, and he has to be backed up by his handlers to correct what he has said. Or what done. he has said. So he had a a kitchen fire that happened. And then if you listen to him give speeches on it, his whole house almost burnt down. It was just a terrible fire, but the kit, the fire was contained to the kitchen. But when you listen to him talk about said kitchen fire, it went all the way up to his roof and he just had this huge, big, you know, multi-story fire that happened. If you listen to him talk about his son, Bo Biden, now he's saying he lost his life in Iraq, which is... Clearly not what happened. He came back stateside. Later on, he got cancer, and he died of cancer. Was he in the service? Did he serve honorably? It appears so. So why do you have to add facts that don't exist? Or him saying how he graduated with two degrees when he graduated from college, which he did not. He barely eked out one degree. Or when talking about law school, I believe at one point he said he was top of his class or in the top of his class. And the reality is that he cheated on his exams and he almost did not graduate at all. And he was in the bottom of his class. So why can't you just say I graduated from law school, which would be a fact. Why do you have to try to say I have multiple degrees? I graduated at the top of my class, etc., etc. There's just all of these instances where you twist the truth into something that is clearly not truthful. Spell narcissism for me. <laughs> I will not spell it. You okay. cannot make me. Or I can say it. He's a narcissist. Yes, or some of these folks are borderline sociopaths. So interesting. You talk about facts and truth and telling the truth, being truth tellers. I had to look at this quick article from our governor talking about ending the COVID state of emergency in February. And he talks about what a great job he did 
with oh in, phenomenal he's with, amazing with implementing all the policies okay and he states that if california had a similar death rate as texas 27,000 more people would have died if california had florida's rate that would have resulted in 56,000 additional deaths so let me let me fix this for you here okay let's go to the covid tracker on total deaths by state California had 11,317,000 cases, COVID, 96,664 deaths. Texas had 7,982,000 cases with 91,511 deaths. That's a less than California, correct? So they California had a death rate of 0.85%. And then Texas had a death rate of 1.1%. So if you look at the number of people who died and the number of positive cases, California did have more positive cases but less death compared to Texas. And Florida was the same as Texas at 1.1%. With that said... We don't know the true number of cases, number one, because not all positive cases were recorded. We don't know how many people were repeat positive cases because people had to keep testing until they went back. So we don't know how many were arising out of the same Correct. Uh, particular what, case. What's the population in California? So California is 39,512,223. Texas is 28,995,881. And Florida is 21,477,737. And California closed. Florida stayed open. Yes, California completely shut down for for months and required masks for more than a year, whereas Florida shut down officially for two weeks and then masks were county by county. They had certain decisions that they made. For instance, Disney World required masks and they were still open. They would allow people to make appointments and come into Disney World, whereas at Disneyland California, they shut down for much longer. So the rates of positivity and the rates of death do not give weight, just in sheer number alone, do not give weight to the fact that California was completely shut down and yet still had a pretty high death rate for a state that didn't allow any fun, didn't allow any concerts, didn't allow gatherings, etc. Well, and that's where I'm going with this, and that's where I was headed the whole time. Great numbers, by the way. But So their kids in Florida if you listen to the pundits and the math, are 20 years ahead of the California kids now mathematically. Reading, writing, arithmetic. Yes, California drops very significantly. And the, the sickness and death rate among children was very minuscule. And I'm not saying that anyone, any child who died doesn't deserve our sympathies. The parents don't deserve our sympathies. It is absolutely terrible. But I could say that of any situation in which a kid dies, it is absolutely terrible. And the family, you know, gets my sympathy. But we make choices every day. 
people make choices on whether or not to allow their kids to ride a bicycle without a helmet, which I find to be just crazy. Like my kids wear helmets everywhere we go. I wear a helmet and I'm over 18. California law says I don't technically have to wear one anymore, but it's not about the law. It's about safety. But we make choices every day and just accidents just happen too. We can't control every single thing. So if we want to live in fear, that's another thing altogether. Living in fear, never allowing your kid to go out, never allowing your kid to interact, never allowing them to go down a slide or swing on swings or skateboard or rollerblade or bicycle. What choices are you making to never do something and how does that impact them as well? Absolutely. And we did it partially right and a lot wrong here in California and across the nation. Okay, so I want to jump back to a subject that was recently brought to my attention. And that has to do with military families and whether or not the spouses of military members should be allowed or there should be a law that allows them to transfer their professional licenses across state lines when they're moving on a military move. And I don't know why this didn't come to my attention earlier, but I think it's a very important topic given that military families move somewhere in the neighborhood of every two to four years, depending on what the cycle is for that particular duty station. And if you have to have a license to perform a a specific thing, such as teaching or a medical license, a nursing license, a esthetician license, cosmetology license. If the state requires a license, the person has to get relicensed and go through different schooling every time they move. So I think it would be a very important bill if we could create it and pass it that would allow military family members to transfer their licenses across states as they move for a military move. Absolutely. Great point. Great idea. They should. I think I'm going to vote for Gavin Newsom for president. You are not my father. Who are you? And what have you done with him? Yeah, there is no way. You're not going to vote for Gavin Newsom? Not at all. I have voted. Slippery little fish. I have voted on the other side once. Never do it again. Yeah, one thing that I find interesting on the um, so mail-in ballots. That's become a big thing in California, and I know it's become a big thing in other states. Some have said, some states have been sued over it because the constituents do not believe that it should be lawful in the manner in which um, the government has implemented it, and that's gone up, and that's kind of a side issue. California has decided to make everybody a mail-in ballot eligible person, and so I registered not to have a mail-in ballot, but California sends me a ballot every time we vote, and they do it by mail. So something that came up in February slash March of 2020 was voting in the primaries. So I received my mail-in ballot. They were encouraging everyone to vote by mail. And right as we were getting close to the Tuesday election for the primaries, a bunch of Democrats started dropping out of the presidential race, the presidential primary. And that was Pete Buttigieg, Amy Klobuchar, and a few others. They started dropping out 
um, as they got closer to the California primary and others. So if you mailed in your ballot early, because that's something that we're encouraged to do, if you mailed your ballot in early, you may have just thrown away your vote because the person you voted for is no longer running and you could have voted for somebody else. And so I just, I don't like the idea of early voting and mail-in ballots and all of that because by the time the election day happens, so much could have changed. Do you think that had an, a partial outcome of our election in 2020? I think so, because a bunch of people voted for, for well, okay, if you look at Pete Buttigieg, if you did an early vote for Pete Buttigieg, you no longer had somebody that you were voting for. And so all of the people that may have voted for somebody else instead had their vote thrown away because Pete Buttigieg was actually coming out on top, surprisingly enough, or in the top. He was doing better than Biden. And so was um, Bernie Sanders. And so if you voted for certain individuals, now all of that just magically went away and the guy who was losing biden suddenly became a big winner 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 chicken dinner you know who's not winners me the folks that live in england i guess how are they not winners well i guess their new treasury chief ripped up the government's economic plan on monday dramatically reversing most of the tax cuts and spending plans that prime minister Liz Truss announced less than a month ago. Oh, wow. He said he was scrapping almost all of Truss's tax cuts along with her flagship energy policy and her promise. Why is that? Repeated just last week that there are no public spending cuts. Well, because the financial markets there kind of went a little rickety and that the uh, upper 1% started losing money, so they had to do something to calm the seas. Well, her authority is being rapidly tattered, so they're already calling for her to step down before her conservative party forces her out. Didn't the queen just show up there for her? So um, the queen met her two or three days before the queen died. And so I believe she showed up to the queen. I'm not sure that it was the other way around because I don't think she could. I, I think she stayed in Scotland and then that's where she died. Um, But this, after Boris Johnson, the former prime minister, stepped down, this gal stepped in, and she hasn't been there very long. And so they're already calling for her ouster. Uh, They just, I don't know, they want to pin all of their problems on one person. That does sound familiar, but they want to pin all of their problems on one person. It's the new gal. It can't be anyone who's been there. Well, let me read this one paragraph to everybody. Scrapping Truss's plan to reduce the basic rate of income tax by 1%. Hunt said, it's a deeply held conservative value, a value that I share, that people should keep more of the money that they earn. But at a time when markets are rightly demanding commitments to sustainable public finances, it is not right to borrow to fund this tax cut. And that has always confused me because we use that line here in America as well. That we have to borrow to give tax cuts. That that in itself makes no sense to me. 
Because we're spending so high, we're printing more money and we're going into debt. So it's borrowing because we're not, we're spending more than we're bringing in. Well, no, I get that. We're, but no, no, but yeah. we're always doing that. Yes. Like we're always quote unquote borrowing because we're never spending. We're a debtor nation. Uh, yes. We're always going to do that. But take away the printing of the money and you tax your citizenry. So whose money is it? Apparently the government thinks yeah, it's theirs. They think 100% of it's theirs. And the reality is spend less. Spend less. If you don't have the money that you need according to your budget, you got to tighten your budget and you need to spend less. The answer isn't always take more. The answer can't always be to take more. Well, according to some it is. That, that's how you fix things. You take more or you create a false sense of insecurity and all the gains that your citizenry have made over the last four, six, eight, ten, twelve, twenty 12, 20 years, you'll wipe it all out in less than six months. Very unfortunate. That's that unfunded. It's always, un, it's unfunded, unfunded taxes. Unfunded liabilities, unfunded taxes, unfunded yeah. this. Just like we keep giving certain entities in California raises and more money and bigger retirements. And it's called unfunded liabilities to the tune of hundreds of billions and hundreds of millions of dollars. So how do we have a surplus if we're in debt and we owe money? We have to ask CalPERS that question. In other news, a federal judge in West Virginia ruled that the federal ban on possessing a gun with its serial number removed is unconstitutional. Run that by me again. A federal judge in West Virginia has ruled that the federal ban on possessing a gun with its serial number removed is unconstitutional. That they cannot ban the possession of a gun that has been deserialized. Why or how did they come up with that conclusion? So apparently a man... His name is Randy Price, was charged in a criminal case with illegally possessing a gun with the serial number removed, and the gun happened to be found in his car. The judge dismissed that charge and and said that merely having the serial number removed is not a charge that the government can maintain. Because I get, it seems like the thought is that if you can lawfully possess a gun, just because the serial number is removed doesn't make the gun illegal. Then illegal or unlawful. However, I should note that only one charge was dismissed, which is a charge I just spoke to. But the man is still charged with possessing a gun after being convicted of previous felonies. So a felon in possession of a gun. So he does have to go forward on that charge, and they are, are working on that. But as far as possessing a gun that um, has the number serial number removed, the judge ruled that unconstitutional. I wonder if he's kind of equating that to ghost guns. Kind of seemed, I, it, it seemed to lean a little bit in that direction because apparently serial numbers were first required by the Gun Control Act of 1968 and the intention is to prevent illegal gun sales because there's a serial number attached to each gun 
And the defendant in this particular case argued that the law is unconstitutional and he tied it to the Supreme Court's June 24th ruling in the case of New York State Rifle and Pistol Association v. Bruin. And that ruling held that under the Second Amendment of the Constitution, the government cannot restrict the right to possess a firearm unless the restriction is consistent with historical tradition. So I guess history serves that serial numbers are not historical tradition. Just like personal income tax wasn't prior to nineteen that, yeah, that constitutional yeah. amendment to where they started taking money from citizens as well and not just corporations and businesses. Because it's never enough. It will never be enough. And they always want more. Well, just hang on because eventually it's going to go to a credit system and they're going to keep 100% of your money. And you're going to be given so many credits a month. And if you spend more than those credits, then you're out or of Or if you're a bad person and you peddle misinformation, they're probably going to take some of your credits too. But that's just a conspiracy theory. Until it's proven to be true. Like PayPal coming out with uh, new um, requirements that say if you provide misinformation, they're going to debit $2,500 from your account per each infraction and, and close your PayPal account. Not sure if you heard about that, but they lost something like $6 billion in valuation when it was pointed out that they put this in their terms of service. Then they tried to backpedal and say like, oh, it was an accident. That wasn't supposed to be in there. Like anyone believe that? We were just thinking it and somebody actually typed it up and put it in there. That's weird. And what else is weird and should not happen in military news? So... I don't know if you remember this, but post 9-11, the Army had a lot of trouble making their quotas, and so did other branches of service, but they had a lot of trouble making their quotas and getting enough soldiers to enlist that they created a recruiting program that ended up being, it ended up being full of fraud and mismanagement, but it was called the... Uh, what was it called? The GRAP program, the National Guard Recruiting Assistance Program. And then the Army Reserve counterpart was AR for Army Reserve, RRAP. And so it was to get people to enlist either in the National Guard or in the Reserve. And they offered $2,000 for each member, Guard member or Army Reserve member that referred a candidate, and then that candidate ultimately ended up enlisting. So they got $2,000 per person. Well, people saw money, and so some people just legitimately referred their friends, families. If they talked to somebody on the street, they would say, hey, give my name and say I sent you. And then it turned into when people had no one referring them, they started filling in that it was them. Or they would put their friends' names and they would they would split the thousands of dollars between them by putting it in. Now, are there people who unlawfully or illegally added names as referrals? Absolutely, that really did happen. The Army did not have good oversight on this. But they labeled every single person who got a referral bonus as someone who was potentially criminal. And then they started investigating every single person who got a referral bonus. Then 
they started putting essentially criminal records on the individuals who referred but were never, like, they were never referred for criminal charges, prosecuted, found guilty, nothing like that. But because their name was attached to a referral bonus, they basically gave them a criminal record. And so people were losing jobs. They couldn't... They couldn't pass background checks because they basically put in a an entry that was essentially a criminal record for them. And that was happening to thousands of people. They investigated, the Army investigated all 106,364 people who were paid by the recruiting program. They basically labeled every single one of those referrals as fraud. And then started tagging people's backgrounds with it. Amazing. I didn't realize that Mr. Trump signed an order four days after he lost the presidency to Biden to do an immediate withdrawal from Afghanistan. So one of the things that Biden claimed on the withdrawal and how terrible that it went was that it was Trump's withdrawal, not his. And so he was just doing what the previous president signed. So that was actually one of the claims that he made was that it's Trump's fault. Of course. Blame it on the predecessor. So he signed a bunch of executive orders reversing Trump's executive orders, but he didn't sign anything stopping the withdrawal. But somehow that one just got to go forward. Even though everything else that Trump did was bad, this one, Trump was somehow good a genius and then it was bad when it went terrible wow so we have more water issues in the military e coli has been found in carrier abraham lincoln's water system what is it with the government and water we can never get it right and it doesn't matter because it's not like what it what are the military members going to do they can't sue it's during the course of service, so you have no ability to hold the military accountable for doing bad things to you. Well, on a carrier, it's interesting because they have desal plants, and they desalinate the water, and they have monitoring, and they have checks, and they have daily checks, weekly, monthly, quarterly, semi-annual, annual. But Navy officials said Friday that they do not believe that the E. coli was the cause of the ship's drinking water becoming cloudy and smelly. Oh, so there was another problem. They had E. coli and another problem. They had E. coli and a smelly water system. So in a case that we talked about previously on this show, we had an axe-wielding man in New York. Lunatic. Yes, he was released without bail for the McDonald's axe attack. And he was arrested again and released without bail again. Well, they continue to release him so he can go out and commit a crime and get it right. Yeah, I guess stealing a bike that was worth $3,500, evading police, graffiti, just all reasons to let people out and continue their criminal mischief, possession of stolen property, graffiti, possession of instruments to make graffiti, just charge and release, charge and release. And then he, he goes on his 
acts spree and gets released and just gets to keep doing it. Well, hopefully the next one he picks isn't detrimental to somebody's health. Yeah, even when they go until somebody dies, it's still not their fault. And the government, it couldn't have been their fault. Never is. Never is. Okay, let's talk about the when bad things do happen, but the wonderful world of technology leads to an arrest. So a drop of blood was tested by modern DNA testing. Uh, the drop of blood was from a 1989 murder of a couple that was found stabbed to death in their home. Terrible murder. They were in their 70s. Um, but it, a drop of blood that was left behind in 1989 was tested with modern technology, and they were able to find the person who killed the couple, or linked to the crime. I guess technically he has to be tried. But they were able to make an arrest with modern technology based on blood that was left at a crime scene in 1989. Well, hopefully that's one of the crimes that they actually hold on to the guy or gal. They don't release them on their OR or a small bail fee. Yep, hopefully they uh, they don't release them and it's a conviction. How good are you at golf? Terrible. So That's why I don't go. If there was a hole-in-one contest, would you be surprised if you've never made a hole-in-one before and you make a hole-in-one? Absolutely. Would you be excited if it was next to next to the hole they had a sign that said, win this truck if you make a hole-in-one? Absolutely. So a gentleman in Arkansas um, who had never made a hole-in-one before entered a contest with others and... The offer was on the 10th tee, if you make a hole-in-one, you get the prize, which was a brand new truck. Well, apparently, the golf course, the country club that he played at, and the local dealership, the local Ford dealership, are claiming that the Ford dealership claims that the country club did not have authorization to raffle off the truck as a prize. Or not raffle, I mean offer the truck as a prize for the hole-in-one. And the country club is now trying to bow out and not pay for the pay truck for the truck as the price. They'll have to pay. Yeah, I one thing I didn't know about a lot of these contests is when a prize is offered, a lot of them have insurance. I didn't know you could do that. You can get insurance on it. And so if they end up having to pay, their insurance actually pays out because yeah, they buy, pay a premium. They'll buy a bond or a premium. So I guess the the Ford dealership is claiming that when they were approached by the golf course, it was too soon to get the insurance on it. So therefore they were no longer they weren't participating in a prize giving. And the greenskeeper forgot to take down the sign. And the announcer forgot to quit announcing it as people were on the 10th hole. Hmm. Comedy of errors. It was. But I know that, like, for me, if I made a hole in one, I would just be shocked that I actually made a hole in one. I also don't golf, so it would be really odd that I made a hole in one. It would be odd that I could even get it to the green 
without going over it left or right. This has been a podcast produced and edited by the Dirt Sailor Duo. Mark and Shannon are a father-daughter team who both served in the United States Navy. This production is protected by copyright laws. Until next time, anchors away. 